This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. When I found out the Denver Diner was never coming back and becoming a Chase Bank, the first person I texted was my friend Kaylin Heffernan. Kaylin and I spent a lot of time together at the Denver Diner over the years. We would hang out there after shows. My husband Greg is a drummer in her band, Wheelchair Sports Camp. We also had many strategy sessions at the diner when Kaylin was rolling for mayor in 2019 and I was her press sorceress. On April Fool's Day, I made a video about sitting for mayor and drew this cute logo. We've been seriously rolling out a poor people's campaign on a tampon string budget ever since. Because I seriously want to see Denver be the most accessible city in the world. So buckle up, because Kaylin's on the show today and we're going to cry over Denver Diner's demise together. Today is Thursday, November 11th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. Okay, no touching anything on your desk or anything. Okay. Put your drink down. (laughs) Okay. Kaylin Heffernan, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Hi, Bree. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) So I wanted to have you on to talk about one of our favorite places together that we've spent a lot of time at together, but um, doesn't exist anymore. So we learned... um, recently that the Denver Diner that's been boarded up for many months is going to become a Chase Bank. Why was the Denver Diner important to you? Uh, well, uh, no one else can see it besides you, but I'm wearing a very sad face right now. You're wearing um, a sad, you are wearing a sad face. <laughs> <laughs> I live right here and I have to pass by it every day and, um, God, that place was so important to me and so many people for so many reasons. Uh, and, you know, it, I think I think the Denver Diner was the most accessible place of gathering maybe in the city. And a big part of that had to do with the intersection that it's at. I mean, being on Spear and Colfax is, you know, just the crossway of the whole city and yeah I I went there a lot of nights super late and um I went there before I was of age to do super late things um yeah it was like a hangout spot I that was my memories too is we used to call it the double d in high school and we'd go hang out there because when you're a teenager you can't hang out anywhere else yeah, it was this weird, like, safe space for so many people, you know? It was, like, a safe space for teenagers and for 
children, but it was also this safe space um, for drunks and <laughs> users and partiers um, to go and, and sober up and kind of like come down from wild nights in the city. And and you could you could go and just pay for a coffee. I think it was also accessible for like the prices. Um, you know, you could just order coffee all night and I knew plenty of people that did that and um, you could also just get a pie or you could get chicken fried steak, which is usually what I got. Um, I was going to say, I thought you usually got chicken tenders. I thought the chicken fried steak was too big of a platter for you in terms of your appetite. Well, yeah, I, it was like a shared event for sure. Um, <laughs> it's also right next to the jail. Uh, and so that was another reason why it was kind of the place to go. Um for many people, it was like the first warm place after getting out of jail and maybe a spot to like plug in your phone. And yeah. So you've mentioned how accessibility is such a big component of what makes the Denver Diner special. And I'm just thinking about how many restaurants in town can accommodate a group of people who use wheelchairs to come in and have a meal. And really, it's not a lot. Yeah, no, I just talked about this like last night or two nights ago. It was like, it was the place that, you know, would make enough room for a big party. And um, yeah, when you got that many wheelchairs, like a small party is quite a big party. So, and they, they, you know, they, it was a regular, it wasn't even like a big deal. Um, They didn't make a big deal out of it. And I think that that's something that folks who don't, um, use wheelchairs or have have friends that use wheelchairs understand is sometimes when we go into a restaurant it's this whole whole ordeal like well, I don't know where we can seat you I don't know what you know like it's it, they make a spectacle out of it and something I appreciate about the Denver Diner was that it was never a spectacle we were customers in a restaurant yeah yeah I mean I was their one of their favorite customers not just any customer you know <laughs> here's the thing about Denver Diner though they would make a big deal about me ordering from the kids meal <laughs> and I, I would always like tip what I would if I paid for like a the full adult, adult chicken tenders but if I'm just getting chicken tenders like I only need two I'm 60 pounds you know <laughs> And I'm tipping well over 20%. And, yo, they would fight me about that. They never fought <laughs> me about how many people were in my party or, like, how many wheelchairs there were. But they would fight me about ordering on the kids' meal sometimes. Um, but something else I think we're talking about now is this sort of unflappable nature of the waitresses there. Mm. Um, they really, I, like you're saying, like, you, you would see just, like, a group of drunk people from the club just pour into mm-hmm. the Denver Diner. We'd be sitting there having, you know, late, late, late night dinner, you know, two in the morning. And maybe we'd come from a show and there would be this group of drunk people and they were treated no differently. It was like, have um, a seat. I got, I got a funny story about one of the last times um, I was at Denver Diner after an art show at Redline, and it was a going away party for our friend Kane and um, Diego Flores. Uh, it's probably got to be like at past midnight. Um, 
And Diego like stands on his chair and he's like, what the f is up, Denver? And he pours water on his body and his face. And he's just like being his own like football team that pours the Gatorade over the coach. But he was doing it to himself and like all this water. And, you know, like somebody had to clean that up. And of course he was like more than willing to like do it. But like they didn't even make a stink about that. They're like, oh no, we got it. Like, <laughs> ha ha. Like, and Diego's actually a former CityCast Denver guest. He's a member of Los Mocochetes, the band that does our theme music. Anyways. Yeah, they were, they had um tough skin. Uh, yeah. And had seen it all, done it all, and it it you know for other like crap di- diners too, the food was good. Oh, I love the food. The food was good. Like if I had to choose between other diners in town, it's up there. I mean, it oh. was the one. Like I think I'm still. I had to learn how to make chicken fried steak in the pandemic, um, in quarantine. Because I still can't find like as good of a chicken fried steak. Yeah, yeah. I I was a biscuits and gravy person, and like you know, biscuits and gravy you can kind of have it anywhere. But their gravy was always like super hot temperature wise. It was like fr- if if gravy can be fresh, it was fresh somehow. Two in the morning, biscuits were delicious. Like I just I've not been able to replicate that experience and even you know their green chili you know we're like pretty picky and snobby about our green chili over here and diner green chili is not usually up there oh god i tried it at breakfast king one time terrible idea but i was like (laughs) craving the huevos rancheros you know and denver diner had good green chili too like really the the food slapped (laughs) and (laughs) yeah it was economical. Yeah, I remember. I think we've had some meetings there with our um, unhoused neighbors and comrades. And it was a place that like felt comfortable for us all to hang out and have a meal. We knew it was going to be relatively affordable. And we weren't going to be hassled. No, you. everybody was the same, you know. And I, I think like everybody was a customer. Well, I mean, you'd see cops, you'd see politicians, you'd see punks, you'd see teenagers, you'd see whole families, you'd see people after Broncos games. You know, I mean, it was just like every kind of person was at this intersection of the diner. Yeah, I, I can't, you know, when it closed and I was so devastated, I made this kind of like thought that, man, was like, that the most accessible restaurant or was that the most like intersectional place in Denver and I I think it might have been at least in my era of like being an adult in this city um and I'm thinking about its importance as like you're talking about a late night spot um but we're losing these kinds of spots right I mean the Denver diner has gone Tom's Diner is gone. Leela's is gone. Um, these are all places that uh, f- folks, regardless of your socioeconomic status, could spend time. Like you're saying, you could get a cup of coffee and sit there for four or five hours and nobody would hassle you. Do you 
are you worried or like how do you feel about Denver losing those kinds of spots? I mean, I've always felt really sadly for the amount of spaces for for youth, you know, and this yeah, is something you and I have shared for a long time, just losing DIY venues and you know, I remember meeting your husband at a a teen center that threw punk shows and you know like we don't have these spaces for youth and me being around youth all the time it's like where do what do you guys get to do where do kids do kids tell you where they go i mean you know my favorite spot as a high schooler was cruising the 16th street mall um and that's still still going on for the teens but it's not super safe it's definitely not as safe as hanging out at denver diner or a teen center or being at a show you know and that was part of the appeal for me but um yeah i i you know i want to advocate for more all-ages shows and advocate for more spots to be open that late i mean i know you went to like Paris on the Platte a lot as a teen and I knew a lot of teens that went there I I wasn't really part of that circle but Leela's especially like being an all-night place and um, another place that you could just chill and not have to like buy a lot of things or buy anything Um, and place to be and you know it also like it's all like corporatized too because it's like now it's all your only options are like Denny's and maybe IHOP and so yeah. it's like you have have to go with it's not a mom and pop it's not a local family um, and it just feels a little different I mean definitely like a, there was a Denny's by my high school that served a similar purpose to the Denver Diner but the Denver Diner just felt different yeah it's like in the middle of it all you know yeah like it's like said, a fishbowl you're you watching it all you're watching the city yeah it's a huge loss and i know i i think they said that you know denver diner's not done forever and that they may open another spot but i think so much about what made that denver diner what it did it was the intersection you know like if they have it even on the other side of gold exit spirit wouldn't quite be as perfect as it was i miss that place Kaylin, thank you so much for reminiscing with me about our favorite spot at Denver Diner. Sad face, yeah. (laughs) You're the best. Thanks so much. So yeah, it's a bummer that Denver Diner is gone. But there are other late night diners out there. Earlier this week, our newsletter writer Peyton Garcia put out a call to our readers for their favorite Denver Diners. And we got some interesting responses. Peyton, welcome back to the show. Hi, Bree. So what have people been telling you? So all of the responses that I got in my inbox were for one specific diner located off Colfax and Race, and that is Pete's Kitchen. Of course. A main, a Denver mainstay for sure. Yeah. Sarah Newell, she says Pete's Kitchen is, of course, the best, undisputable. And reader Trapper Ewing, I think I'm saying that right says, I honestly don't think Pete's Kitchen has much competition. Village Inn and Denver Diner were good, and Ann's doesn't really stay open that late. 
Breakfast King is honestly too far south. And Butcher Block is too far north. Oh. That was from Trapper. I like Trapper's lay, lay of the land here with where these different spots are located. And how about you, Peyton? Are you a Pete's Kitchen person? Yeah, actually, I am. I never had the good fortune to try some of the diners that you so lovingly tell me about. Um, But I went to Pete's Kitchen a lot in high school, mostly after um, concerts or prom or homecoming. We went there late night. So I have really fond memories of being there in my big poofy dresses. Um, It was a good time. And my parents, they grew up in Denver and they went there as teenagers all the time. Um, So it's always kind of seemed like a real Denver icon to me. When I've thought of Denver, I've thought of Pete's Kitchen. So I think of it very fondly. Oh, my God. I love that story. I just love that story. I think about seeing teenagers in their finery (laughs) at Pete's Kitchen. Like, that's a great, that's great. Yeah, just shoveling pancakes in our tuxedos and ball gowns. I think I have to give it a second chance. Not that I'm not like a huge Pete's Kitchen person, but I was always a Denver Diner person, so that might have to be my new home. Yeah. So Pete's Kitchen is great, but there's got to be more late night spots we don't know about. What late night spaces in Denver are important to you? Where do you go to feel a sense of belonging? We'd love to hear your favorites. Leave us a voicemail at 720-500-5418. And for more breaking diner news, subscribe to Peyton's newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Staffing shortages have pushed DPS to move three schools to remote learning this week as other metro area school districts cancel some classes altogether. The Denver Post reports that our schools are facing a variety of pandemic-related challenges like shortages of substitutes, school nurses and bus drivers, and supply chain issues impacting school lunch options. And get this. DPS is putting a process in place to decide every day whether or not classes the next day will be in-person or remote. They say they're letting parents know by 4 p.m. if they need to go remote the next day. Ooh. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Paul's a magician. He pops in and out of Zoom all day.